The scripture reading before Craig's lesson tonight will be from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 10, 1 through 4. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, they could have been not. Excuse me, sorry. If it could, would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would have no longer felt guilty of their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is an impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Hey guys, how about that, y'all? Uh, first, I'd like to thank Sam personally for making sure we had a great turnout tonight. I was there. And uh, I'd also like to thank Alan personally for both the song selection and lowering the standards and expectations. I'm just going to talk, not preach tonight. So, <clears throat> Everybody hear me okay? My mic on? Everything good? Okay. Um, a few weeks ago, well, actually it's been about a month ago or a little later or longer, uh, Matt called me and asked me to uh, partake in this three-part series about sacrifice. And <clears throat> I had to uh, think about what sacrifice meant to me uh, as I accepted. And um, I went back and I made a few notes leading up to this. I didn't know what exactly I was going to talk about. But... I did have some notes about my personal experience with sacrifice. Uh, at a very young age, as a young boy, uh, six to nine years old, maybe 12, uh, I knew two types of sacrifice. They were the bunt and the fly. <laughs> and, and being baseball season, I think that's a little bit relevant right now. But uh, <clears throat> as I got a little older, sacrifice uh, meant trading some free time uh, in order to get maybe some homework done. And that was true sacrifice for me. I wanted to go play, not do homework. Uh, a little bit older, I may have traded some free time to go do some work, sacrifice that time in order to have a little bit of gas money or spending money. But what I noticed was a pattern here. At a very young age, sacrifice to me meant me giving up something in order to get something. And then as I and my wife's going to laugh when I use this word, matured a little bit, um, I started to understand what sacrifice meant. I started to see it in a different manner. Um, usually, it was in the value of what somebody had given up in order to help me, or somebody had given up in order to give me or my family or something a gift. Uh, I remember back at my dad and I think he was probably the best um, example of sacrifice to me in this human life. I was a typical teenager. Uh, all four years of my high school, my dad was out of full-time work. And if any of you know me and my family, my mom is very old-fashioned. She doesn't even drive. 
and she sacrificed her time raising me and my two brothers, and she stayed at home. So needless to say, on a monetary situation, we were very tight. But I was the typical teenager that wanted the new Jordans, that wanted a, the Atari 2600. I know we're going to get some laughs about that. And wanted all the things that all my friends were getting. And I watched my dad have a lot of stress in his life, but yet he went out and did a lot of things that he did not have to do in order to provide those things that we wanted. Didn't need that we wanted for us. And I learned that as I got a little older, how much I appreciate that sacrifice. And Matt talked today about appreciation and gratitude towards that. <clears throat> and, and that's why I accepted this uh, offer, and I appreciate the elders and Matt, and I really appreciate Matt helping me with this. And in a sense, I got a pretty tough topic, and in a sense, I got a pretty easy topic to talk about. Because the cornerstone of our religion, as pointed out last week by Harold, is the sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, without his sacrifice, we wouldn't have hope. And, and tonight, I am going to attempt to, as Alan says, talk about that to you. And when I do, <clears throat> I'm not going to point out and get into the suffering and the details and everything that happened to him on that day of his uh, death. Instead, I want to stand back and I want to take away three points about the sacrifice of Christ. I want us all to take away these three points. One, it was a heavenly plan for us. Two, Christ took on an earthly mission for us. And three, this sacrifice serves as a spiritual restoration between us as individuals and our God. And I hope and pray I can effectively get these points across to you tonight. But this is what I want to speak about. And this ties into our, our lesson and our three-part series about sacrifice. <clears throat> I've... Uh, my wife and I have been sacrificing the last two months or so since January. Uh, I thought I was going to be asked to fill out a visitor card because I've been away so long. But Misty's been at home and she's been playing full-time mom, full-time worker, full-time household. And I've been away. Uh, I had a company car given to me about five weeks ago brand new and I've got 13,000 miles on it. So. We know a little bit about sacrifice, but it's nothing in comparison to what I hope to share with you tonight. And I, during this time in the car, I was able to listen to Brother Harold's sermon last week about seven or eight times. And uh, Harold, you did a great job. I, uh, I appreciate listening to it. I appreciate your teaching. I always learn something new from him whenever he's in front of us. And my hope is maybe we can learn something new or a new approach or something we didn't think about, about the sacrifice of Christ tonight. With that said, Harold talked about two main points about sacrifice. That's being thanksgiving and atonement or forgiveness. Those are two purposes it served. It was a vehicle of restoration with God through sacrifice. He touched on something about God's nature, which I'm going to touch on and build off of tonight. And he talked about sin. <clears throat> 
and how sacrifice was needed for that, and the wages of sin were death. And at the final point, final end, he touched on the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ, which is our Savior. So, with that said, <clears throat> let's go into this a little bit. I want, I want to stress tonight that Christ's sacrifice is part of God's plan. It's a heavenly plan, and it's meant for each of us, each of our parents, the generations that came before, and the generations that will come after. This is an individual plan that's designed by God and designed for each one of us. And it's the greatest gift, if we choose to receive it, that we will ever receive. As I said, Harold mentioned God's nature. And it's spirit, love, and light. Those are the three things he talked about. I put human nature up here. You can replace that with sin. But this is the opposite of God's nature. And it's flesh, it's self-love, and it's darkness. If you look in Colossians 1, 19-20, it says, For it's pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. God planned this. He planned for the sacrifice of Christ to happen. He planned this as a way to move from that sin and closer to God's nature. Prior to Christ, we had a temporary plan. The Jews and the Gentile. The Jews had the Levitical uh, sac sacrificial plan, <clears throat> which uh, Harold spoke about a lot last week, uh, which the reading was from tonight. But this has always meant to be replaced. It was designed from day one for Christ to come and replace these plans of sacrifice. It was designed for Him to come onto this earth. The reason why is there's nothing earthly that has the value of a soul. Think about this. They offered a sacrifice as symbolic. We learned in Hebrews 3 that those sacrifices did not, for it's not sorry, Hebrews 4, for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. This was symbolic. Christ, His sacrifice, His dying for us was designed by God early on. It was designed for Him to come to this earth and to die for us and have us a way to take away these sins. Think about it. If He didn't, what would we be doing? Do you ever think of it that way? Would we still be sacrificing blood and bulls? When we die, when we go to heaven, what would we have to offer? God, here's my possession. Here's my estate. Here's some money. Here's my deeds. We learned today that we can't follow all of the commandments. We're sinners. We're sinners by nature. I want to read Hebrews, Hebrews again in case you haven't picked up on it the first time. And listen closely. Listen closely to God's nature, the Levitical law, what Harold spoke about last week. And listen to this. This is why God's plan was devised, and this is the transition into why Christ made an earthly mission for each of us. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, 
and not the very image of things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. But those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Yom Kippur. Every year, the Day of Atonement. Right? They're reminded of their sins. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. We need Christ. We need Him to come. And God planned for that to happen. And when Christ arrived, what did He say? Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but fulfill. He replaced it. He took on an earthly mission for all of us, for each of us. He left His glory in heaven. He came to this earth in flesh. He died on the cross. He gave His blood. And He covered our sins through His suffering. Wow. Do you know anybody in here that could do that for you? No. This is His prayer. The day Christ is going to be crucified. He knows He's going to die. And this is what He says. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that Your Son also may glorify You. As You have given Him authority over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as You've given to Him. And this is eternal life, that they may know You, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. I have glorified You on earth. I have finished the work which You have given Me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Me together with Yourself with the glory which I had with You before the world was. Notice that last sentence. The glory which I had with You before the world was. You ever ever had a bad day? You ever had a bad year? You ever thought yourself, I'm not very valuable? I'm not deserving? I mean, we're not deserving of this. But, but think about it. How many people know somebody that think they're not good enough to be a Christian? Christ thinks you are. God thinks you are. Here's the value He put in you as an individual. He left His Father in heaven where it's perfect. I don't want anybody to ever tell me I'm not worthy or I'm not valuable because God says I am. Think about that. Think about all the tribulations you face. Think about the sickness, the illness. Think about the wrongs people have done to you. Christ, God, has a plan for you. He values that much. He left the glory of being with His Father to come here. He belittled Himself for you. And He died. That, that, he left. That doesn't even include the suffering. That step alone is amazing to me. When I, that's one of the things that I got out of this study that really struck me. He leaves His comfort. He leaves His glory. He leaves everything that is good to come. Because He valued me. And He valued you. And He valued everyone to come and everyone that's been. Then He died. Wow. Jesus dies on the cross. I picked this verse out because I'm going to touch on something in it a little later, but I want to read it to you. 
Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness all over the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last breath. Wow. <clears throat> Makes me want to commit my spirit, my soul, my everything to my Christ. He died for us. He took our place. Let's go back to the, what I said a little bit earlier. If there wasn't a plan, we would be facing Christ with our cross, with our death. And what do we have to offer? He offered His spirit for us. He left heaven for us. Let's take a little deeper look into God's plan. He tells us our greatest commandment is lay down our life, love our neighbor, lay down our life for, for another. Think about that. He's asking us to die for somebody else. All right? Notice what he doesn't ask. And this may, this may strike you to how deep this sacrifice is and his love for us is. Nelson? I would probably walk in front of a car for you to save your life. I would like to think I would. I would do the same for Matt. I would do the same for Aaron Collier. But there's one thing I can tell you I probably couldn't do or wouldn't do. I would not offer my son Kendall to do the same thing. Christ did that, or God did that for us. He offered his son for us. That's the depth and the love He has for each of us. And He took this on in a fleshly manner, in an earthly mission. He came to this earth for us. He gave His blood. But God demonstrated His own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, He died for us. Much more then. Having now been justified, we're justified through His blood. Amen. We shall be saved with the wrath through Him. He took all this on. He came here as a human. He belittled Himself. God sent His Son. He values you. He did all of that for us. Why? You ever had anybody taste death for you? He covered our sins through His suffering. But we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels. There He is again. He's lowering Himself for us. For the suffering of death, crowned with the glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. You know, I'm really appreciative of what my Father here on this earth done for me. But after studying this, how can you not be just overwhelmed by what our Heavenly Father's done for us? You know, I guarantee you, if you look in your life and you think of somebody that you're really close to, a grandmother, or somebody that's come in your life and they've done something that they were not required to do, they were very selfish, selfishness, they, they put their self down, they put you first, and they didn't care about the glory they got from you. They cared about you. And I argue our Christ has done this 
at a much greater level than any of us could ever do. I want to read something. This was sent to me by Brother Anthony. Um, it was a daily devotional sent out by a gentleman named Barry Wilmore. I'm just going to read bits and pieces of it. But I think this sums up a little bit about <clears throat> God's plan and the earthly mission altogether. Sacrifice was at the heart of the Old Testament worship. And as the perfect sacrifice, Jesus brought all other sacrifices to an end. While He was on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I mentioned that a few minutes ago. Christ Himself became the new covenant, the new way to heaven by doing that. He, when that veil was torn, the old, when He died, that old law went away. Since the reality had come, the pictures and symbols had no more place or purpose. From Genesis 1.1 through Malachi 4.6, the Old Testament is Jesus Christ. It was inspired by Christ. It points to Christ. And it's fulfilled by the sacrifice of Christ. Now I'm going to finish where I started. Sacrifice was put into place to restore the relationship between man and God. We learned that Christ came to this earth because we were all sinners. Make sure I do this right. On this side is sin. When we refuse to accept God, and we refuse to accept Christ as our Savior, we are here. And this separates us from this side. This is God. He is Spirit. He is love and He is light. We, without Him, are flesh. We are self and we are darkness. The sacrifice of Christ, I will argue to you tonight, is that way which He mentions. I am the way. He is the path that takes us from this to this. And it's continual. It's how we become and grow as Christians. I don't know if Ken Conley's here or not, but I think his favorite verse is fitting. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is a Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We have freedom. But we all, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He committed His Spirit to God. He's calling on us through this sacrifice. It is up to us to respond. I'm going to leave you with this thought and this invitation tonight. Christ esteemed us, all of us individually, greater than He did His own place in heaven. Think about that. Now, if you truly appreciate a sacrifice that somebody's done for you, you truly appreciate what they've done, and you call to that. And I'm going to ask you this question, and I'm going to finish on this. Do we esteem Christ greater than our place in this world? If we do, we'll respond to His sacrifice. The invitation is open to anybody that's never accepted it, and it's open 
to anybody that may have fallen away and needs to respond and, and confess as we stand and sing.